All right. Welcome home. You know where you are. You're at Barah Ministries, an intimate local Christian church with worldwide impact. My name is Pastor Rory Clark. Welcome to the Pastor Appreciation Homecoming Weekend. And the best part of that is the Homecoming Weekend to welcome our non-resident congregation members to be with us live. It's great to, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Was that for me? <laughs> that was not for me. Oh, it's really good to see you guys. In Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 to 36, the Lord warns his disciples of the trials of being a disciple. He says, Do not think that I, the Lord Jesus Christ, came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. Matthew 10, 35, For I came to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Matthew 10, 36, and a man's enemies will be the members of his household. There is a set of tribulations that are a means of instruction for followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the pain of these trials pierces even the veil of the family, so much so that occasionally a man's enemies will be in his own household. So it was with the Lord's household, and so it is with ours. This has certainly been true for me in my own nuclear family, in my extended family, and even in my marriage families, but not because of Christ. Our trials and tribulations were manufactured in spite of our relationship with Christ, which was quite a bitter pill to swallow. Knowing this from eternity past, my gracious God and Father gave me this family, the Barah Ministries family, a group of people who choose to be together. It has been an ama amazing thing to see him sort out the pretenders here at Barah Ministries, the Judas characters, leaving a group of people to love one another and to love others by reflecting the Lord's love for each of us. And getting together at any time with all of you is one of the sweetest things that I am privileged to do in this life. So welcome home. I am so glad to see you, and that joy can't really be adequately expressed in words. I'm sure our time together will convince you of my deep appreciation for you and for my affection for your presence in my life. Tonight's Bible lesson, God the Father is someone you can trust. God the Father is someone you can trust. In tonight's lesson, we'll get to know God the Father. Galatians chapter 2, verse 26, I'm sorry, that's Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, says this. For you believers in Christ are all sons of God the Father through faith in Jesus Christ. We are our Father's sons, and every great son knows his father. 
I don't believe you heard me, so let me repeat that. Every great son knows his father. <laughs> God the Son is no exception. John chapter 1 verse 18 says this. This is the NIV version. No one has seen God the Father at any time. No one except the only begotten one, the Son of the Father, who is himself God and who is in closest relationship with God the Father. God the Son has made God the Father known to us. What do you know about your Father? Did you know he has plans for you? Did you know he provides for you? Did you know that he protects you? If not, you're in for a treat. So, welcome to the lesson. We'll start with a song. Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 12 and 13 tell us that one of the great things we can trust about our God and Father is that he listens to and he answers our prayers. Every time you're praying, you're actually talking to God the Father. Jeremiah chapter 29, 12. Then you will call upon me, and you will come, and you will pray to me, and I will listen to you. If you think you've never been listened to, believe me, God is listening all the time. God the Father is an amazing listener. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me, and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. Here's June Murphy to sing a song she wrote and produced. It's called, We Pray to the Father. We pray to the Father in the power of the Spirit in the name of Jesus our Lord We lift up each other as the Lord's royal family That's what family's for We from above we must be thankful in everything no matter what it looks like or how we Be conformed to this world. 
pray to the Father in the power of the Spirit, in the name of Jesus our Lord. We lift up each other as the Lord's royal family. That's what family is for. It's the song for this weekend and you know it's, a, it's just a demonstration of the fact that God gives us what we need long before we need it because June wrote that song a long time ago and if you ever get depressed about what's going on in the world right now that's the song to put on that was it's just so beautiful I love your songs let us pray we're grateful, Heavenly Father, for the privilege of studying your absolute truth, the Word of God. Almighty God and Father, thank you for being the only Father I would ever need. Thank you for the words of truth that lead me to know you. Thank you for your perfection, especially the perfect and unconditional love you have for all of us. Thank you for the perfect plan you created for each of our lives. Thank you for the perfect provision from your almighty hands, which leave us with no other possible conclusion other than that you love us, which for me is the greatest feeling a boy can have, when a boy knows that he is loved by his father. And thank you for the tears of gratitude that flowed from my eyes when you revealed yourself to me in prayer, letting me know that you've been there for me all along. Help us to get to know you this weekend. Help us to have a conversation about you. Help us to praise you as you deserve for all that you have done for us in the background. And be present to us as we learn about you. We ask this through the power of God the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, say it with me. Amen. Amen. Tonight's Bible lesson, God the Father is someone you can trust. God the Father is someone you can trust. One of the greatest questions I've ever been asked as a pastor is what is God the Father doing right now? As a fatherless boy whose father left his mother 30 days after they got married when she told him she was pregnant, I never had much concern for my human father, thus no real concern for getting to know God the Father. I didn't trust men. The question, what is God the Father doing right now, stimulated an inquiry that helped me to have a deep, intimate, and personal relationship with God the Father. And every time the word God surfaces in the New Testament, my eyes and my heart perk up because this reference is usually to God the Father. And I am excited about the next thing I'm going to learn about what he's doing right now. This question sent me on a lifetime desire and a lifetime quest to get to know God the Father personally. And if you haven't, I invite you to come along with me on this amazing journey as well, starting this weekend. Three things God the Father has done and keeps on doing are planning for us, 
providing for us and protecting us. These three things are the manifestation of who he is, articulated well by the Apostle Paul, I'm sorry, the Apostle John in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 14. John is the apostle of love. Here's what he has to say, Beloved, and he's calling you the divinely loved ones, let us love one another unconditionally. For unconditional love is from the source of God the Father. And everyone who loves unconditionally is a born-again one of God the Father. That means that unbelievers don't know how to love unconditionally. They can't love unconditionally. And everyone who loves unconditionally knows God the Father. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. The one who does not love unconditionally does not know God the Father, for God the Father is unconditional love in his very person. With physical eyes, no one has ever seen God the Father. Yet he is indwelling us as church-age believers, and we can see him with our spiritual eyes. We can sense him from inside of us. And the way we sense him is when his unconditional love is manifested in us to others. We are a reflection of this amazing love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. From this source, the unconditional love of God the Father was manifested in us, in that God the Father has sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we believers in Christ might live the resurrection life through our union with Him. 1 John 4, 10. In this is unconditional love. Not that we love God the Father unconditionally, but that He loved us unconditionally and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation. The only perfectly satisfactory payment in the eyes of God the Father for sin. And that was Christ's blood on the cross. God the Father loved us so much that He sent His Son. And today at lunch, I was talking to some guys, and, and I told them that, generally speaking, if somebody was willing to send his son to die for me on a cross, he's got all my respect. And that I also expect that if he sent his son to die for me on a cross, that he'll take care of everything else that I have a need for. And so we don't worry about anything as Christians. We don't worry about what, what the world is giving to us or doing to us because we know that we have this amazing Father who is just perfect in His love for us. And when we get to witness His love in our lives with our spiritual eyes, it's one of the most amazing things that you could ever experience in life. And our Father's love for us is an initiative. It is not a response to some stimulus coming from us. It's not a response to a request from us. The Father didn't have to be prompted to love us unconditionally. He planned to love us unconditionally long before He even created us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 11. Beloved, divinely loved ones, if God the Father loved us so unconditionally, and of course He did, we ought also 
love one another unconditionally. 1 John chapter 4, verse 12. No one has seen God the Father at any time. And if we love one another unconditionally, God the Father abides indwelling us. That is, if we're believers in Christ, which means we can produce unconditional love through the filling of the Spirit. God the Father abides indwelling us along with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. And his unconditional love is perfected in us. And as we get older and more mature as Christians who are taking in the Word of God, the unconditional love just comes naturally to us through the fruit of the Spirit. Intimate acquaintance with God the Father is what produces unconditional love in us through the fruit of the Spirit. 1 John chapter 4, verse 13. By this unconditional love, we know that we abide in God the Father and that He is indwelling us because God the Father has given us His Spirit. He's given us His Spirit to produce fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 1 John 4.14 We have seen and we testify that God the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. This is the ultimate expression and the ultimate demonstration of His love for us. Planning, providing, and protecting are perfect gifts from a perfect God because there are no three gifts that make the recipients of them feel loved more than planning, providing and protecting. To know someone has thought about you enough in advance to plan for you. That someone is willing to provide for you. That someone is there to protect you when you need it. These are securities that cannot be bought. They can only be appreciated and enjoyed. God the Father is a planner. He has premeditated, and that's what plan means, premeditate. He has premeditated all of divine history to bring about the exact outcome he desires, and especially all the things that he wants for you personally. Think about that for a second. A billion years ago, God the Father had your name in his mind. and He knew exactly what he was going to do with you. He knew when he was going to bring you here, he knew when he was going to take you out. He knew exactly what you would need. He provided it all. He paid for it all. He planned it all so that it would have an amazing outcome for you. How short-sighted and small-minded we are when we, we beat our breasts and wonder why it is that God is doing this to us when what God is really not doing is doing something to us. What he's doing is perfecting us. What he's doing is preparing us. What he's doing is edifying us in such a way that we have the perfect outcome every time. He is amazing. He is absolutely amazing. It's mind-boggling when you start thinking about how much he loves you. God the Father is... Or I said that part already. So... In a stirring testimony concerning God the Father, inspired by God the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Peter proclaimed in Acts chapter 2, verses 22 to 24, Men of Israel, listen to these words. I think that I laughed out loud when I read that part. Listen to these words, because it reminded me of when Peter was part of the Transfiguration, where Peter uh, 
Peter, John, and James were taken up onto a mountain by the Lord Jesus Christ, and he showed them what he would look like at the second coming. And everybody else was completely awed by it, and just Peter started running his mouth. And, and the, the God the Father said, that's my son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. He just told Peter to shut up in essence. So here he's talking to the men of Israel and he says, listen to these words. He got the message. Jesus, the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God the Father with miracles and wonders and signs, which God the Father performed through Jesus in your midst, just as you yourselves know. Acts 2.23, this man, Jesus, was delivered over by the predetermined plan and by the foreknowledge of God the Father. And you nailed to a cross, this man, uh, this man was nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men, by unbelievers, and they put him to death. Acts 2.24, but God the Father said, in your face. God the Father raised Jesus up again from the dead, putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for Jesus to be held in death's power. God the Father's plan provided the means of our salvation, and he did that by sending his Son to die for us. God the Father is a provider. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 6, the Apostle Paul introduces us to his provisions. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, in union with Christ. If you want anything that belongs to you to be secure, you would want it to be set aside for you in the heavenly places. And it is. Amen? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. Just as God the Father chose us, believers in Christ, to be in union with Christ before the foundation of the world, billions and billions of years ago, that we would be holy and blameless before the Father. In unconditional love, God the Father predestined us, believers in Christ, to adoptions as adult sons, the Roman style of adoption, the adoption of an adult, and when you make the adoption of a, an adult in the Roman style of adoption, you pledge an entire inheritance to the adult, your entire inheritance. We have, as adult sons of, of God the Father, we have an inheritance that is set aside for us in heaven, imperishable, undefiled, where rust, rust and moth will not destroy. He gave everything to us. Can you get the depth of what God the Father has done for you? He's given you everything. And your eyes haven't seen it yet, but they are the things that he has given us are there, and they are perfect, and they will be revealed to you in due time. It's just amazing. God the Father predestined us before the foundation of the world to adoption as adult sons through Jesus Christ, bringing us to himself, reconciliation. Jesus Christ created the path of reconciliation so that we could have a relationship with God when we were in a condition of spiritual death even. According to the kind intention of the Father's will, a great father is kind. A great father is kind. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6. 
to the praise of the glory of his grace, which God the Father freely bestowed on us. He freely bestowed on us his grace by giving us the beloved, the divinely loved one, Jesus Christ. As David so aptly pointed out in Psalm 23, because of the Father's provision, we cannot lack anything. The Lord is the one who keeps on shepherding me. I cannot lack anything. That's the first verse of Psalm 23. God the Father is a protector. David proclaims in Psalm 68, verses 5 and 6, God the Father is the father of the fatherless, a protector for the widows. Is God the Father in his holy habitation? Where does God the Father live? He lives in the third heaven. And where does he live in the third heaven? He lives in the throne room of God. It's his throne room, and he sits on a throne. And who's sitting at his right hand? The Lord Jesus Christ, waiting for that moment until God the Father will make everyone who has rejected a relationship with him a footstool under his feet. The Father keeps us safe from every sort of malady. He is a planner. He is a provider. He is a protector. When we return from our five-minute break, we'll listen to a familiar story that is a testament to God the Father's character. Take a five-minute break. Oh, I didn't read that other verse. Can you, can you wait a second? All right, so Psalm 68, 6 says, God the Father makes a home for the lonely. He leads the prisoners, the oppressed, into prosperity. Look at that. He leads the prisoners, the oppressed, into prosperity. And only the rebellious dwell in a desolate land. All right, now you can have a break. Five-minute break. Why you ever chose me has always been a mystery. Told I belong at the end of the line. Will all the other not quite? Will all the never get it right? But it turns out they're the ones you were looking for all this time. Cause I'm just a nobody We're trying to tell everybody We're all about somebody who saved my soul ever since you read. For the world to see Nobody but Jesus I'm living for the world to see Nobody but Jesus When Moses had stage fright And David brought a rock to a sword fight You picked 12 outsiders Nobody would have chosen And you changed the world Well, the moral of the story is Everybody's got a purpose so when I hear that devil start talking to me Saying who do you think you are I say I'm, I'm just a nobody Trying to tell everybody All about somebody Who saved my soul Ever since you rescued me You gave my heart a song to see I'm living for the world to see Nobody but Jesus for the world to see Nobody but Jesus So let me go down, down, down In history 
Bible lesson, God the Father is someone you can trust. God the Father is someone you can trust. Well, the prodigal son is a parable, a short story that illustrates a truth, and it appears to be a story about two sons. Perhaps spiritual eyes see it differently, because there are many things to learn about the legalistic son and the lascivious son, the prodigal son, of course, but hidden in the story just as God the Father seems hidden to us, is the attitude and the character of an amazing father, an attitude and character that takes your breath away. Luke chapter 15 actually contains three parables. 
the parable we will reflect on is the third of the three. The first one is the lost sheep, the second one is the lost coin, and the third one is the prodigal son, and they all really have about the same theme. And Jesus is telling the parables for the benefit of a group of whiners, the scribes and the Pharisees, the Jewish scribes and the Pharisees, who are quite upset that Jesus is giving attention to tax collectors and prostitutes. And the funny thing about them being so upset about that is because earlier in the day they were probably all at the brothel uh, hanging out with their prostitutes, and then they come and criticize the person who is hanging out with tax collectors and prostitutes for a very different and honorable reason. Luke chapter 15, verses 1 and 2 say this. Now all the tax collectors and sinners, that, was the, that is the translation committee's way of not addressing who he was really with. Now the tax collectors and sinners who are unbelievers and prostitutes, and sinners refers to either unbelievers or prostitutes, in this case prostitutes, were coming near Jesus to listen to him. And that's one of the great things about prostitutes. You know, we all look down on women who engage in prostitution, but one of the things they're smart enough to know is they're not all that. And so these, there are going to be a lot of prostitutes in heaven, so if you had a, a pretty negative attitude about them, you better get to like them because they're going to be in heaven because they don't think they're all that. There's going to be a lot of brothers up there too, a lot of black people, amen? amen. You better get used to black people down here too because we're going to be up there in droves. Luke 15, 2. Both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, This man eagerly looks for sinners and eats with them. And the Greek word expresses that so well. Eagerly looks for them. He, he just wasn't, oh, there's a group of them, I'm going to go sit down. He sought them out to talk to them. Jesus just wasn't eating with the tax collectors and sinners. He kept on looking forward to being with them because they were his peeps. Now the third story. Luke chapter 15, verse 3. So Jesus told them, the scribes and the Pharisees, this parable saying, a man had two sons. Hmm, sounds like me. Luke chapter 15, verse 12. The younger son, the younger of the sons said to his father, Father, give me the share of your estate that falls to me before you are dead. So the father divided his wealth between the two sons. And that's something to note. The younger son asked for half of the estate. He divided the estate and he gave the half to each of them. Luke 15, 13. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. In the Greek, loose living means reckless and self-destruction destructive living, very much like what kids do when they go off to college. You know, they're under your instruction for a long period of time. Apparently, they have their right mind, and within three months of getting into college, they turn into absolute idiots, and they try their best to completely sabotage their lives. And one of the funny things is that they are very critical of you and how you run things with them, and then as soon as they get on their own, they crap the bit. You know, they, they, now that they're listening to somebody who has no sense whatsoever, they find out very quickly what happened. So that's what happened to this kid. 
loose living means reckless and self-destructive living, and what it meant is he wasted all of his money. Luke chapter 15, verse 14. Now, when the younger son had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be impoverished. Now, here's the funny thing. He's now impoverished, but he was a rich Jewish kid. There wasn't anything that was better to be in that time than to be a rich Jewish kid. His father was filthy rich, and so he, he grew up not wanting anything. He got everything he wanted. Hmm, sounds familiar. The younger son didn't dig a well before he was thirsty, though. See, he had all this money. He could have done something to preserve some of the capital so that he could live his lifestyle. But he didn't. He wasted all of it. Why? Because he was living in the moment. See, we didn't create that recently. He was living in the moment. Rather than, <laughs> rather than putting some of the money aside for, for a rainy day. Luke chapter 15, verse 15. So the younger son went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country. He got a job, in other words, and which was disgraceful for a rich kid to get a job. And the citizens, the citizens sent the younger son into his fields to feed swine. Jewish people had an aversion to swine. It was forbidden to eat pig in the Mosaic law, and the main reason for that was because there was no way to make them sanitary. Pigs are filthy animals. That is not the case today. And there's still a lot of religions who, oh, I don't eat, I don't eat pig. Well, you are missing some of the best. Pull pork, rib, yeah, leave them all for us. You guys go right over there and do your thing. Uh, pork is the new white meat, amen? So, uh, anyway, uh, but... To a Jewish person, being around a pig was one of the most repulsive things that you could possibly do. That's the point here. And when we detach from God, when we abandon our relationship with God, because we think we can handle it on our own, we attach ourselves to the self-destruction and the slavery and the misery of captivity to idols, like people, sex, drugs, alcohol, and electronic devices, to name a few of the idols. See, that's the thing that just bugs me the most about unbelievers and about Christians who go off the reservation. If they would just go off the reservation, that would be great. Okay, reject God, no problem. But they always attach themselves to something stupid to prove their own stupidity. They always attach themselves, and one of the things they attach themselves is the most stupid is themselves. They get so self-focused and so into themselves that they think they know everything and they're right and everybody else is wrong. And it's just, just comical to watch because if you look at their lives, if you examine their lives, they say they know it all, but all you see is, is nothingness in the lives that they're creating. And God allows it. What an amazing God. Luke chapter 15, verse 16. The younger son would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating. He would have gladly gotten down and eaten some slop, in other words, because he was so hungry. And why was he so hungry? He had no money, and nobody was giving him anything. He actually had to wait for the money to come, the check, and it wasn't a check. 
and they didn't have checks back then, but you know what I mean. He had to wait for the payment before he could eat anything, and he was so hungry he wanted to eat what he was feeding to the pigs, and he probably did. He was on his own, which is the worst place to be in life. I don't believe you heard me, so I'm going to say it again. He was on his own, which is the worst place to be in life. I can't tell you how many stupid people I've met in my life who say, I want to do it on my own. Why? Why would you ever do that? If you have to carry a bed, why would you want to do that on your own? Why wouldn't you want to get four friends to help you with that? A little easier. Yeah, that's right. I got my pride. If you want to move, see, your, your parents are smart enough. They ain't moving by themselves. They ain't moving by themselves. They got help. They didn't want to do it on their own. <laughs> They'd much rather torture you. So, Luke 15, 16. So the younger son would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving anything to him. Luke 15, 17. But when the younger son came to his senses, epiphany, he said, I'm a rich kid. What am I doing with pigs? What am I thinking about eating pods for? I'm a rich kid. My dad is loaded. So the younger son came to his senses and he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I'm dying here with hunger in his poverty? The younger son realized many things, including the generosity of his father. And that's the problem with sons. The problem with sons is they always have a contentious relationship with their father. They always think they know more than their father. They always are making their father a thing and then objectifying the father. You know, and, and so the father starts saying, well, here's, you know, here's some of the wisdom. Fathers talk a lot slower than kids do. You know, here's some of the wisdom I've learned over the years. Oh, well, that's whack. That's whack. You ought to be thinking this. You ought to be thinking that. Yeah, have you ever raised a family, man? No. Shut up, then. Right? Can I get an amen, Harold? Amen. On that good-looking good kid you got sitting up there in uh, Spokane somewhere who should be down here at where his university is at, checking out this conference. I don't know why they would go down there. You know, why don't they stay here and make my food? <laughs> why are they grilling for those people when they could be grilling for me? Sons and their fathers. It's crazy. But the youngest son made a declaration to himself. Luke chapter 15, verse 18. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. Luke 15, 19. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. See, he's still, had it, he's still out of his mind a little bit. Like, because you make a declaration, you're not a rich kid? Because you make a declaration, you're not a spoiled rich kid? He's still a spoiled rich kid, but he's a son. And the illustration here is the father makes us sons when we become believers in Christ. And once a son, always a son. Say it with me. Once a son, always a son. Meaning you cannot lose your salvation. Don't ever let anybody tell you you can lose your salvation. Anybody who tells you that has lost their mind. Once you are a son, you are always a son. 
So the younger son wanted to go from being a son to being a servant. Well, the attitude of the father. Luke chapter 15, verse 20. So the younger son got up and came to his father. But before he even got near the house, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran to him and embraced him and kissed him. Look at that. When you do stupid stuff, God the Father runs to you. God the Father feels compassion for you and runs to you to serve you. God the Father is HMFIC. He's the top of the, he is at the, top of the food chain. That's head mofo in charge. He's at the top of the food chain. And then he runs to you. That's absolutely goosebumpy, mind-boggling. So the younger son got up and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, had to read it again, his father saw him, felt compassion for him, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. That is the attitude of a planner, a provider, and a protector. Luke 15, 21, and the, man, and the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. If you're a father, you can feel what that feels like and what your attitude is toward a son who says that to you. Luke 15, 22, the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out the best robe and put it on my younger son and put a signature ring on his hand, the checkbook, and put sandals on his feet, which was a sign of wealth. Luke 15, 23, and bring the fattened calf, kill it, and let's eat and celebrate. You know, we've been studying idols, and we know that meat, meals are a bonding and a celebration. This was an indication of his desire to renew the bond with his son. Luke 15, 24. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. What was the older son's reaction to the father's generosity? What was the older son's reacti- re- reaction to the father's generosity toward the lascivious son? He brought out his legalism, envy, arrogance, and ingratitude. Luke chapter 15, verse 25. Now the father's older son was in the field, and when the older son came and approached the house, he heard music and saw dancing. Luke 15, 26. And the older son summoned one of the slaves, the servants, and began inquiring what these things could be. Luke 15, 27. And the servant said to the older son, Your brother has come home, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received your brother back safe and sound. Luke 15, 28. But the older son became angry and was not willing to go into the house. And his father came out and began pleading with him to come into the party. Luke 15, 29. But the older son answered and said to his father, Look, for so many years I've been serving you, and I have never neglected a command of yours. 
liar, liar, pants on fire. He just, re, he just rejected the idea to come in the house. Liar, liar, pants on fire. And yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. Perhaps true. And by saying the young goat, you haven't even given me something as lowly as a young goat to celebrate my, with my friends. Yet you give the fatted calf to this guy. Perhaps true, but the father did give the older son half of the estate even before he died. Amen? You see what stupid people are like? You see it? Ungrateful. That's what that is. It's ungrateful. Here the father has given him everything, and he can't see it. Now, is that, is that a deficiency of the father, or is that a deficiency of the kid who can't see anything but self? It's the kid. Luke fifteen thirty. But when this son of yours, he's talking about his brother here, when this son of yours, came home, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes. Well, I wonder how he found that out. How did he find out that he was devouring his wealth with prostitutes? Did his brother text him from one of the brothels, or what was it? So he's making this up. He didn't know. He hadn't seen him either. He didn't know what he did. He didn't even know that he didn't have any money. But when the son of yours came home, was devoured your wealth with prostitutes and killed you killed the fatted calf for him. Luke 15, 31, the father's attitude. The father said to his older son, Son, you've always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. Luke 15, and by the way, any parent who has that attitude toward a kid, all that I have is yours. Any parent who is giving to their adult kids is a little bit touched. Because that is not the way it's supposed to be. Kids launch. And so any adult kid that gets anything from a parent has an amazing parent. Amen? An absolutely amazing parent. Luke 15, 32. Well, we had to celebrate and rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live. And your brother was lost and has been found. What does this story display about the father's character? The father seeks and saves the lost. The father finds, and the father has great joy when the lost one is found. Thank you, Father, for your plans, for your provision, for your protection. But most of all, thank you for the ultimate gift a father gives, which is his presence. Great fathers are absolutely present in the lives of their children. Thank you for being a very present help in our lives. Well, let's close with some music. I certainly not, did not grow up feeling that my father wanted me. And that did not give me daddy issues. Because I had a mom who was a dad and a mom to me. Which was more than enough. But God the Father also filled the gap. Here's June Murphy to sing a beautiful song to all the fatherless ones. Father, I'm yours. Father, I'm yours. 
To our God. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Jesus and he will make your path straight. For the Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He'll be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. So do not fear or be dismayed. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. He waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice and blessed are those who wait for him. So humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he might promote you at the proper time, slamming all your cares on his back because he cares for you. When God says he cares for you, it means God considers your problems to be his responsibility. Let us pray. Almighty God and Father, we just thank you so much for helping us to get to know you a little bit better in this amazing lesson. And we know that you demonstrate your love for all mankind and that while we were sinners, while we were ungodly, unrighteous unbelievers, you sent your son to die as a sin sacrifice for us. And we thank you from the bottom of our hearts for saving wretches like us. And we just pray that you help us to get to know you even more this weekend and that you make yourself very present with it from the abiding of you within so that we can have conversations about you and think about you and make you very real to us, even though you're the invisible one that we will see when we're absent from the body and face-to-face with the Lord. We ask this through the power of God, the Holy Spirit, in Christ's name. Say it with me. Amen. Amen. Thanks for coming, watching, and listening.